The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast for Thursday. Today is July 8th. Jeff Erickson here. And my co-host uh, today is Griffin Benger. He is leading the Rotowire Online Championship with the NFBC. Griffin, congrats on the great start. Uh, it's not luck, it's good skill, so I won't say, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, but hey, what's a the, lot how of are you good doing? Things, a lot of good things have had to go right for this this to happen, Jeff. <laughs> I of course, have no illusions. Of course. <laughs> Of course. And, and naturally it has to, you have to avoid the whammies. Uh, but, uh, you know, so far so good. Uh, we're going to hit up a few news items real quick at the top of the show, and then we'll jump into the secrets of Griffin's success, uh, and a whole lot more. So first of all, Clayton Kershaw going on the aisle for the Dodgers. They're playing a day game right now. Uh, Julio Urias is getting a ton of run support. They're up six, one in the seventh, but they're hurting right now. Uh, talk about a team that's had a ton of starting pitching depth. But now Kershaw goes on the IL. They've had two bullpen starts already this week. Looks like they might have another one for Kershaw's turn in the rotation too. Yeah, I mean, Kershaw, obviously uh, a huge backbone of the Dodgers and a lot of fantasy team, teams too, ones that are probably competing against me. So a small part of me is like, oh, well, it's not not too bad. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's too bad uh, for, for the Dodgers. I mean, he's, it's Kershaw, man. Right. And that's the whole thing is like you're uh, you never root for injuries, but exactly secretly yeah. you're like, OK, well, who does this hurt that I'm going against, too, at yeah. the same time? Have you gotten to the point where you're starting to look at other people like in the top 10, see who they have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was sort of neck and neck with 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 one guy uh, in the standings for a while and he had a very similar uh, pitching staff. But actually, the one difference was that he had uh, Kershaw in particular oh so um but then again of course i lost uh bauer last week to that that whole awful situation but uh in general right. i mean i've had incredible uh, you know good fortune with my the injuries and, and i think it's really easy to appreciate it when you're playing multiple leagues because you see all the other leagues where you have all these all these guys go down and then and then and then to see how much i mean i don't think of of my you know core one through six pitchers that any of them have missed a turn in the rotation 
Um, you know, maybe DeGrom, I think maybe missed one, one turn, but like not really. And maybe it's just a shortened one. Uh, you know, uh, Musgrove hasn't, hasn't missed one Rodon, uh, and Bauer until what happened last week. So, you know, a lot of good fortune for sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, now with Kershaw, you always think that, okay, are they trying to manage him just a little bit? Is this a case of coming down with Dodgeritis? But then there was a note today saying he's going to get an MRI tomorrow. So yeah, if that were the case, I don't think they'd be doing that. But it's always around the all-star break, you tend to get a little suspicious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right around this time, you hear people that are going to be, you know, taking some time off, you wonder. But I think this sounds like it might be at least a little bit serious. Right, exactly. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is some good news. He's going to be beginning a rehab assignment tomorrow, uh, maybe a little bit earlier than people expected. Yeah, that's a lot earlier than than people expected. I mean, he was he was dropped in a lot of leagues that that I that I played in early on. So, uh, great great for him, great for the the White Sox. Obviously, they could they could use that that big bat. I mean, he's he's incredible when he's on the field. Absolutely, and you know, just and especially when you look at the White Sox outfield right now, where it's either Adam Engel or you know Billy Hamilton, or worse if that's possible, yeah. starting for them in the outfield. They just DFA'd Adam Eaton. They really could use the help in the outfield. They could use that another big bat. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Do you, is he, uh, have, did someone, has everybody, has he been picked back up in your leagues? Oh, yeah, yeah. And within, as soon as there was a, a sort of a whisper, maybe even mm-hmm. before it, that he was uh, starting baseball activities, I think everyone was was on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, then they, we'll go across town in Chicago. Also, uh, two, two new notes here Chris Bryant and Javi Baez both uh, got banged up yesterday. They finally broke a big losing streak. The Cubs are kind of in an interesting spot because we saw how they traded away you Darvish in the offseason for young prospects. They basically were trading away their his contract. Uh, both Brian and Javi are going to be gone at the end of the year. Is there a possibility they get dealt? Yeah, well, I just speaking for 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 Brian to Brian's situation. I mean, I think he could use a little a bit of a break. I know he's been uh, really scuffling uh, lately, but right. I mean, listen, those those two big bats are going to draw a lot of attention from anyone that that needs it. Um, so yeah, I mean, with the way that the Cubs are are going, you know, you think about also, uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm having a a complete blank on the closer for the Cubs right now. I thought Kimbrel. From, Craig Kimbrel, Kimbrel, yeah. that's right. for some reason I thought Ryan Dempster. I'm like, this is what am I doing nope, here? Nope. No, no, of course. Yeah. yeah. Kimbrel. I mean, I heard there's some, uh, you know, there's gonna be a lot of interest in Kimbrel. I, I know the Jays could you certainly use the bullpen help. So that's something uh, also to consider. You were just trying to find a Canadian hook there. With Dempster, <laughs> I was. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, you know, and, and the news uh, specifically on each player uh, you know, with uh Bryant, he's dealing with hamstring tightness. Uh, with uh, Javi Baez, it's a sprained thumb. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Baez hit two homers on Tuesday, so you know it, it, he's amazing. It sh- I just, yeah. he just finds a way. It's just like you know, never getting on base and just incredible fly ball to to home run luck. It's he's you know, he just such a unique done. player. Yeah, uh, very, very, very unique player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would be interested to see who trades for him and what. I mean, this, the free agent market for shortstops this offseason is going to be wild. Story's going to be out there. Uh, you're going to see uh, Corey Seager is going to be out there allegedly. So we'll see about that. Marcus Semyon will be back out on the market and he's really done a lot to help his value this year. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> he's been too good. I wanted to maybe slow down a little bit so we could, we could maybe resign him with the Jays, but <laughs> right, right now. But the thing is, is he going to play shortstop again? He's been playing second most this year. And obviously, you know, there, there's a question. Can you go back you know, across the defensive spectrum back over to shortstop? I mean, everything that I've heard about, about Semyon, uh, you know, I watched 
the Jays pretty much every single game. I barely miss an inning. And a lot, you know, all the time they talk about how much teammates love his work ethic and all these sort of mm-hmm. things. And just transitioning from position to position, he's just doing everything he can to be the best that he can be. So I think that he can play either position pretty, pretty swimmingly. And I think he's the kind of guy that can make that work. How would you rate the Blue Jays uh, broadcast team compared to some of the others out there? Ah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> they're good. They're, they're, they're good. Um, it, it, I'm so biased. My dad uh, got Buck Martinez to send me like a message for my birthday. So, oh, wow. Uh, I, okay. <laughs> I was, so I always, I always am very careful about being too, but bi- I mean, I just, I love everything that has, has to do with the, the Blue Jays. You know, I, I will say though, I, I do find myself in the arena of fantasy completely overcompensating in the other direction. I so, so infrequently do I, do I draft Jays? I'm in nine different leagues and I don't have one share of Bo Bichette or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm similar yeah. to you. I've got 18 yeah. teams. I'm a Reds fan. I like Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. I liked him coming into this season and I still didn't get him. Ah, what is that? This must it's be ridiculous. some psychological thing. Yeah. 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 But I, hey, but I had plenty of shares yeah. of Mira Garrett. Lucky me. <laughs> yeah, I got some shares of Stembian, luckily, and and of course yeah. in the in the NFC. So I f- found a little bit of it. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, how many years have you been playing the NFPC? This is just my second year. Yeah. Wow, oh, dude, that's awesome that you're kicking butt in it. Uh, luck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think so. I think there's probably some analytical mind going on there, but uh, we'll see about that. Um, as I alluded to in the tweet, but I didn't mention at the start of this broadcast. I mean, you are. A very accomplished poker player, haven't made it to the uh, November nine before. Uh, you know, famous for your duel against Will Kasu, uh, and and just your run through the whole tournament. I mean, you got lots of airtime even prior to that, but uh, everybody remembers that, of course. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, it's it's it seems to be my curse. I, I when I blew up in Counter Strike two, I had this one line that I said to a to a to a player, and it became it went a bit viral. It got a couple million views um, mm-hmm. on 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 YouTube. And then I do this poker thing and, you know, I'm accomplishing this and that and going here and there. And then I just have, you know, one big blow up against the guy on live TV. And it's just, that's the only thing people, it's just the line. Check your yep. privilege. They people right, love right. wanting me to say, I've seen a couple of people on the street over the course of my, my life since then. So it's, it's funny how, how viral, how, how things work with the viral world that we live right. in. Right. That's what's remembered. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the secret to your success. You're, you're leading the Rotowire online championship for the NFBC. Over 2,000 teams, the 12-team league, 12-team format with the overall contest. You're crushing it right now. Uh, and I looked at your roster, very uh, good, strong pitching base. And you, you obviously went pitching heavy early with DeGrom and Bauer. You also have Musgrove in there. You have over 50 saves already. Um, was it, Were you planning a pitching-heavy strategy going into your draft? Yeah, my intention when I, when I got the third pick was to take – Degrom. I'll say that I I did have a bit of a pause because Tatis was was available. Um, sure. but there was some rumblings about his shoulder as well, and I was like, "Hey, you know what? Stick to the plan." Um, my intention, sort of on the wrap, was hoping that I think it was a pick twenty or whatever it would have been to to get um, maybe it was twenty first, but to get uh, Giolito or um, or Darvish. Um, actually, Bauer ended up falling, so it kind of became a sure. Dunk. I was like, "This is too much good value." And then I would say that like my strategy from from then then on was, you know, I, I really subscribe to the the idea. I think it's naturally that, you know, to, to compete for the overall, you should really be chasing high ceiling players. But I think that really where I deviated a bit from that was that I really wanted to focus on targeting players that have 
had elite production in a full season before. It's such a grueling 162-game season. I like the idea of finding players, especially with the COVID-shortened season, where a lot of people's, you know, their idea of players is getting skewed. You know, that's why I wanted to go after someone like J.D. Martinez, someone like Joey Gallo, even, you know, Eduardo Escobar and Yuli Gurriel with that lineup exposure and that, you know, 300-plus, you know, potential. Um, So I found myself getting a lot of players like that. And, And, I mean... I'm incredibly, remarkably fortunate that so many of them have popped off. I mean, even Reese Hoskins is looking like a 35-plus homer guy. Um, Castellanos, uh, you know, it's just Semyon. I mean, you know, he had that incredible year in 2019, and then people weren't right. really sure if he could find that in, in 2021, and he was going around, you know, pick 115. Um, so that's really, I think, what my, my, my goal was, and it's obviously really, really worked out. Yeah, uh, your team name is Kissed by a Rosarena. He's like the one guy that doesn't necessarily fit that uh, yeah. uh, the rubric there. Uh, and, 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 you know, when did you get him? Were you targeting him? Was that just like, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I, I had this whole like established player thing, but I'm going to make an exception here. How did you, how did you approach him? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I should, I should take a closer look at it, but if I remember correctly, I was, I was think I was more inclined to want to get someone like an Aaron judge. Um, but I think it just became one of those things where, you know, speed has become increasingly harder to find. This is someone that obviously showed a great deal of, you know, five tool abilities and is in the shortened time, you know, I wasn't really expecting to, um, you know, find uh, like an upside of you know first second round production necessarily i know a lot of some people really really liked a rosarena coming into the year but i just you know i I wanted to pair someone like albies with him where it's like okay you know at at, at worst case i think these guys are going to run and they're going to be in in great lineups so he didn't really necessarily fit that mold but i did want some of that like some of that heat as well uh, sure right now yeah sure uh and you know i'm a little concerned because he's kind of tapered off a little bit uh, with the bat two weeks i think yeah but the bags have kind of saved a lot of his value but uh, i do worry you know they with vidal brujan they sent him down today but i think they're calling him back up tomorrow yeah. if i recall correctly i think he'll be that, back this weekend yeah i i kind of wonder how the plank you know that that it that creates a little bit of tension you know margot being out probably saves rosarine a little bit but mm-hmm. you know this is a team at the race they they keep on coming up with other guys josh lowe's still in the minors too i'd be like a one like tiny point of concern yeah, I mean he's he's not necessarily one of the you know standout performers so far for me, and someone that I'm necessarily super enthusiastic about uh, right. going into the second half. Um, but as far as like the team names concerned, kissed by Rosarena, I think I probably saw it on Twitter or something like that as, as right, a team right. name, or maybe it was on Team Name Tuesday on Fantasy uh, Baseball Today. Though the guys over at CBS, um, right. and it just I don't know. Every time I, even though it's not mine, every time you know that particular pun. It just kind of makes me smile every time I say it. I say it, you know, it starts singing, and so so that's that's there kind of why it's not it's not because I'm a big Arosa Reina stand or anything like that. It's just you know he's on my team, made me laugh. I'm, I love the whole team name stuff. I have so many that I submit to those guys over at you know Frank nice. guys. So it's it's fun, yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, I imagine you consume consume a lot of fantasy baseball content. Uh, you mentioned the CBS show. Uh, you know, you, you interacted with Vlad. Uh, what's your routine on a, on a given day? Like, how do you go about getting all your information? So I would say my routine pretty much ever since I got into fantasy baseball more seriously the last few years has been has been uh, fantasy baseball today. Just the daily podcast format. I really like the um, chemistry between, uh, you know, Frank, Scott and, and Chris. Yeah. Um, 
and I, they, they kind of represent kind of these different pillars of, of the way that they think too. And, and it's interesting to see um, how they, how they interact and, uh, and, and they've, you know, they, 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 they catch me up to date. I would say that fantasy guru has been a huge tool for me this year. Um, I actually sort of cold messaged someone that I knew played in NFC on, on Twitter. And I was like, Hey, listen, I'm, you know, this is only my second year. I'm trying to get into this. Are there any tools that you can recommend? And he said, like, this is the one. And, you know, I instantly got a subscription and the fab articles in particular have been incredibly helpful in managing my budget, especially when I'm, you know, competing for such a, a big, big prize here in the, in the open championship. And that's when by uh, Vlad and he's fantastic about yeah, that. We've, yeah. we've had him on a number of times here. Uh, he, he really knows his stuff. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, how early did you draft? Um, yeah, I think uh, within a week of the, the season starting. Is that by design? Do you ever do any earlier drafts? I did. So I did a total of, of five NFC drafts, one main, one auction, uh, and then three, uh, three, three open championships. And, you know, I, th- I think it was my, I think my intention was to try to draft as, as late as possible, just so you know, the way that, that news can come out, but it wasn't a, a deep strategy. I, I would get antsy and want to do one a couple weeks before, but, but then I tried to wait and space them out. And, uh, and yeah, so I think this one was probably one of the ones that was closest to uh to opening day because i there was already the stuff about tatisa's shoulder and i feel like that was only in the you know last week or so uh before the season started sure okay that makes sense uh now do you draft the same style in all of your teams do you did you try to like uh just mess with your approach a little bit there or try to alter it here and there to try to have different types of teams or did you kind of have like okay this is how i want to draft every time you went in yeah, I would say that uh, you know, in a, a higher percentage of my drafts were that sort of like pitcher pitcher strategy. Of course, based on on draft position, um, but there were others where you know, I, I think I fifth overall I went um, I went Soto, and another one I got first overall I, I just went Acuna. Um, but I will I will say that the other NFC I'm in three uh, NFC like Open Championships, and uh, the uh, one of them I'm you know I went I think it was Soto. Bellinger, and you can imagine that hasn't been going too well. Not the other well. one, no, not the other one. I think I drafted seventh overall, and I went, uh, I went Cole Darvish, and I'm in first in that one as well. So nice. this this is probably radicalizing me into taking this <laughs> to pitching pitching uh, strategy because that's that's where I'm finding a lot of the success. Yeah. Well, and I, I've got Cole in a couple places too, and I'm starting to worry about him, and I'm starting to worry about yeah. pitching generally. Uh, this, I wonder how the second half is going to play out and whether that'll change my approach next year. I think that's, that's a really good point. I think that, um, I'd be curious to see where DeGrom in particular goes next year. I'd have to imagine, uh, you know, within the, within the top three, three picks, but I think he's going to, there's, he's finding a way to really separate himself now and, and sort of create a whole new, new tier that is, that is right. just him. obviously, uh, aided by, by Bieber's injury and, but you know, obviously the spin rate stuff is a concern with Cole and a lot of other pitchers. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really good, good point. Maybe there's just going to be so many pitchers kind of clumped together around that, around the same tier. You know, I don't think see the separation between Cole and, you know, guys like Darvish. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's going to change. This stuff is quite fluid, right? It's just, it, it, yeah, it, it is. Change, does change from year to year. Right. And we got so many layers of uncertainty. Well, it's the uh, grip enhancement, whether it's the ball itself that they, yeah. I think they messed with that and that had a big impact at the beginning of the season. I almost think this was kind of a reaction to the results a little bit. It kind of changes the onus on the players versus them changing the ball. 
And then, of course, we got the collective bargaining agreement coming up this offseason, what other rules are going to apply. It, it, it's going to be a really interesting year to prepare for next year's draft. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I think a lot could change. You, you wonder what they're going to do about the ball, what you're going to do about any sort of sticky stuff, if they're going to allow something, if they're going to create a regulated sort of right. substance. Um, you know, uh, it's yeah, it's, 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 we'll see, right? Right, exactly. So you got Brad Hand, you got Will Smith, you have a lot of, and you got Diego Castillo going on there. You have a lot of saves. You have over 50 saves on this team. Uh, what's your approach with closures? Do you like getting like one in the top 10, two in the top 10? How do you want to approach it? So I'm, I'm usually not someone trying to get a, a closer with sort of within the first hundred picks. I guess I'm really targeting teams that I think are going to do well and that are going to have pretty good job security. And that's how, you know, I found someone like hand Smith was a bit of a wild card, but I think we were, we felt pretty comfortable with the rest of, of the Braves bullpen that that was probably going to end up sticking, even though he's a left-handed pitcher. Um, Castillo was very speculative. I, I got him in a couple of places and then he sort of emerged as, you know, when we all thought it was going to be a committee, he suddenly was, was the guy, which was great because I was getting a lot of saves early on. But I think one thing that really ended up uh, being, quite nice just as far as like fab and working that sort of stuff is that someone dropped dropped Karen shack when when class a was really right uh, sort of getting a lot of saves and it was a tough situation because you know he wasn't closing at that point he was doing his sort of like 1.2 inning sort of thing in the six seven eight whatever and i just said you know what it's a long season I, i'm gonna i'm gonna put a pretty stiff bid and i think i i won him by like a dollar uh, really yeah, yeah yeah maybe 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 as much as two months ago and that's been that's but that's been great as well. I mean, he's had his stretches that haven't you know been been too good, but you know when he's out when he's out in the mound for over the course of a week, he'll get you a lot of strikeouts and and the odd saves. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've been been happy to have acquired him, and that's been able to let me sort of mix and match. You know, Castillo was down for a bit with an injury. I was able to to sort of um, you know make pl- plug those three in. And there was even a, a period when I thought, you know what, I need to catch up a bit in saves. And I, I threw all four of them out there when I didn't have the matchups that I wanted for a, for sure. a starting pitcher. I mean, I, I have to say, like, I don't have much of a network in the fantasy baseball community. So I wasn't really sure what the best strategy in these kind of things is. Maybe it's really not a good idea to to have four relievers in a week. But I just kind of like used a cerebral approach and just thought like, you know what, I don't like Bassett's matchup this week against Houston. And I'm just going to, you know, fire in these four closers, try to steal some saves here. And, and yeah, like I said, everything's, it's just, it's all coming up me so far. It's been really, really incredibly lucky. Yeah. Everything coming up Millhouse. I like it there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll say this too. It's, you're going to start to see more people, I think, loading up on relievers in the second half. If, if for no other reason, I mean, our starting pitching has become far less reliable. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good point. You're going to be able to get some really good ratios from from guys. I, I'm curious to see if you know guys like Devin Williams who have really been been get, been play, pitching a lot better in the last uh, little while. If you're going to see them rostered more, if the starting pitcher pool keeps on, if it still continues to be so hard to you know put together strong outings. I mean, I've been noticing even just the last few days, just everyone's just getting it seems seemingly banged up. It's just. It's not easy out there, and the weather's only going to get warmer, Jeff. That's true. I mean, traditionally, June to August is when we make our hay offensively, and yeah. you know, with all the emphasis on the like uh, the grip enhancement of the ball and all that, and, and the change in the offensive stats, it, it's you got to compare it versus other gains in June, other gains in July. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. where we're at right now, and you know, Joe Sheehan always makes this point and drives that home that weather really dictates a lot of this too. So we'll see uh, what happens with that. Where would you feel like your is your 
biggest weakness if you're trying to protect your lead right now? Definitely speed. Um, average to an extent. Um, you know, I am rostering Joey Gallo, even though, you know, he's he's <laughs> looks like he can just maybe hit 360 home runs in the second half right now. He uh, he is, you know, he can be a bit of a drain on batting average. Escobar sure. is hitting around 240, 250. So average is a bit of concern, but just definitely stolen bases in general. I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the hunt and really keeping my eye out. There's not a bunch out there. I mean, I was sort of desperation rostering good, good room for a week or two there, just trying to sneak right. a couple in. Um, you know, I'm, I, I've been just refreshing NFC sometimes just being like, when is Bruhan going to be in here? And of course, you know, they have to sort of call him up to be made available in this, in this format, you know, Duran, I'm definitely going to be considering um, putting a pretty stiff bid on. So, um, you know, I think I have a budget of around 250 left, which is, you know, only a quarter budget with half the season left, but I'm as I'm sure you're aware it's 250 is not even that low compared to, I think that, uh, you know, I'm sure this is something you've talked about before on a previous podcast, uh, but you know, uh, our experience last season with the thousand dollar fab, I think it, it's really made the bidding be a little too hectic at this point. Early on, especially. Yep. Not a lot of, not a lot of people with money right now. So the other thing I've noticed too, is the 12 teamers, it's kind of random. Sometimes you get some really competitive fab bidding leagues and one of my 12 teamers, I had there, there was one week where only five players were picked up five, which is just crazy. Uh, now, it wasn't a great week for free agents, admittedly, but still, five. You know, and, and part of that was, like, I think two people were already out of money, uh, which is just, you know, they, they emptied yeah. basically the entire chamber early on. But, uh, hey, I you will, know. I, I will say, actually, that that's something I have noticed with the, you know, kind of gross lead that I have on the rest of my sort of 12-team league in this Open Championship. You know, I've, I've flirted between 111 and 114 roto points uh, for a while yeah. now. And that has led, I think, to a lack of interest since for some of the teams. I don't think some of them are even really competing or, or trying that much. So that makes it nicer when these guys get called up or there's someone that sure. it's less people to have to worry about. But, you know, having said that, the team that's in fifth or sixth place, you know, let's say Bruhan has a big weekend where he gets three steals. And this guy who's in sixth place with $600, who wasn't really paying that much attention, is like, oh, I want this guy. And he throws a you know a three digit bid on him. I'm I'm going to be in trouble. So there's a lot of things to consider uh, when you're when you're trying to get your guys at this stage. I think. So you kind of like him to be calm this weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That's really good. Yeah, I would like. I think it'd be better for me if Bruan doesn't do too much this weekend. Yeah, it's something I thought about. Yeah, uh, that, absolutely. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by WinBet. If you are allowed to bet in your locality, please use WinBet.com. Uh, we appreciate them for their sponsorship. Uh, we are going to put in a couple ads right here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now we're back. Thank you for uh, for those of us you, you streaming. You miss those ads, but uh, I, my guest is uh, Griffin Ben Benger, and I almost uh, messed up the pronunciation, <laughs> but I caught myself last second. Um, as alluded to earlier, you have a, a, a lot of accomplishments in both esports and in poker. And I've noticed there's a lot of overlap between fantasy and those pursuits. Just gaming in general, gamers are going to find other ways to kind of to follow that. And I, I, have you found that to be the case where like people you played against a lot also got into fantasy a lot? Yeah, I think that was actually kind of my uh, my gateway into the fantasy uh, sports realm in general was just players that I gamed with were starting to do it. I mean, I was a massive Blue Jays fan when I was a kid, you know, during mm-hmm. the 92-93 uh, World Series. I was like, you know, about seven, eight, nine years old or whatever it was. And then I there was a period when I got super into gaming that I, I didn't really watch. Um, much of the Jays, I wasn't really into baseball and I was so into gaming. I mean, to, to get to that level, um, I think, you know, around that age, anyways, a lot of kids can just be, you know, in those early uh, teen sure. years, be really into gaming in general. But when you're trying to sort of be the best in the world and you start traveling around the world and stuff, it was just really all I, all I did. And then, um, at one point my, my buddy invited me to, why don't you want to, why don't you play this fantasy baseball league? I was like, all right, this was, you know, this must've been. 15 years ago or whatever and i did it and i was i was hooked i was in now i do fantasy hockey and i'm you know run a run a run a fantasy hockey league and 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 play many leagues every year and i just it's it's awesome it's great i love it yeah that's it is that is awesome um and i know like there is like in the dfs community there's a lot of you know poker players that became dfs pros as well and all that we had dale negron who's actually been on our hockey podcast a few times so i know from that side uh, paul bruno knows him uh but yeah yeah, so i know he's into that uh pretty well but uh you know it's 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 kind of cool to see that and i guess there's overlapping skill sets too right yeah for sure i mean you know finding value where you can um that's certainly a a huge one especially i think in this sort of DFS format. I've never personally got super into the DFS. I I tried it for for a couple of days. I think it's something that I'll, I could see myself uh, eventually getting into. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying the long the long grind of this. I think I, I, right. I I'm careful about my myself because you know I don't I, I've never had a had a thing with gambling or anything or an addictive personality that's sort of attached to that. But I know that if I get into something, I'm really going to be doing it. And and I know that DFS is one of those things that you're just going to want to do every day and. Uh, and I'm 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 good with 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 this little little NFC dream I have. See see how this see how this goes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now you made it to the November nine. Uh, you made it to the final table, the main event of the World Series of Poker. I mean, any poker player would just dream of that experience. Uh, how was it? Um, it was. Uh... Listen, everything on the sort of leading up to getting to the November nine was is like an incredible 
roller coaster and, and and so exciting and all the cameras and all that stuff. Um, but I would say that the experience of between making the November nine and actually competing in it was uh, just a, a nightmare of emotions. I mean, you really? know, you're, Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's incredible. Obviously I was guaranteed a million dollars for finishing ninth and that first place was $8 million, but you just have this three month period where you're like, you know, this is a, once in a lifetime opportunity and you know you need to be consuming as much information as you can about the other players about what you should be doing you should be doing all these mock sort of you know drafts mock final tables and all the sort of stuff you never think you're doing enough maybe you think you're doing too much and now you're deviating it about what makes you stronger and then also i had the dread of you know experiencing that moment with kasuf as like feeling quite validated in my in my behavior because of the intense emotions that was happening and a lot of the stuff off camera and the, and the sort of, you know, abusive behavior that he was doing to, to, to a lot of different people are just making feel people feel really uncomfortable. And, you know, to just explode on like that, 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 that on him, I started to realize, I was like, okay, this thing's going to come out. Like, should I have really said like that? Like, how are, how is that going to come off to people? Like, you know, this, the check your privilege thing. Like, why did I say that? So my friend Sam always says that. And I just threw that line in there. And, you know, it's like <laughs> you're fighting outside of a bar and you're drunk and you're yelling at someone or something. like that's because it's just, everything is just so, you know, intense. And and I just, and then of course it dropped and I, you know, I, I ended up getting a lot of detractors and a lot of people that, you know, just my Twitter was completely uh, blowing up to a level I can't even you know, when you go viral like that, right. it's just, it's really, really intense. I mean, I, I, I at first it was kind of funny because I'd be like, hey, check this out. And I'd show my buddy, I'd open my notifications and then I put my phone in and I'd be like, watch this. And we wait 20 seconds and do it again. And the little notification things would say like 25 plus or 100 plus, like it was right, right, right. every 30 seconds, you know? So it was, uh, it was, you know, and then that, it, it came out, you know, before I was about to play this final table. So now I have this, weird global energy of all these people either supporting me or hating me. And it just, it was a, it was a really, really intense experience. I obviously I'm super grateful for the money that I won and the, the exposure. And like, it was, it was a wild ride, but it was, it wasn't easy. <laughs> After yeah. the world series, um, did you find that people played you differently because they saw so much of you? They saw, you know, you had so much exposure. They saw, I mean, obviously they saw a lot of hands that you played, uh, did, did you find it harder, easier uh, when you're playing, whether it's tournaments or cash games? I think, I think it's tough. I mean, you know, the hands that you're seeing on, on TV, they're, they're such a small sample size right. of, of specific situations that I think it's going to be difficult for you to really be able to, to, to watch, you know, the hands that they showed me in, in the world series and be like, okay, well, this is what he's going to do every time in that situation. Um, there, poker is so interesting because there's really it can't really be solved i mean there are these solvers now there's that's right, a right. conversation but you know, there's so many variables that you can't account for i will say that um you know sometimes i'd walk into a poker room and and i would see people staring at me because i knew that they recognized me and some people would come up to me and say something and i mean I, they would always have something nice to say in person though. You know, no one, not, no right. one would be like, Oh, look, it's the prick or something. <laughs> you no, know, you don't get those like, Twitter muscles in person. No, huh? no, 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 no. Everyone is very, very, very nice in person. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's funny. So I, I, you mentioned to me that you no longer play professionally. Do you play recreationally from time to time still? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, online poker is, is still pretty alive and well in, in sort of Canada and Europe. Um, you know, obviously they're, they're trying to get more regulation in the, in the U S like it was, um, you know, 10 plus years ago. 
Um, so there's still opportunities to play, you know, the odd Sunday I'll play a tournament schedule. That's, that was sort of my normal bread and butter is playing, you know, a full day schedule where I would play anywhere between 20 plus tournaments in a day through my two, you know, monitors. So I do that every once in a while, but I, I found that live poker was where I was really finding the most success in the sort of twilight years of my, of my career. And, and, and that's just hasn't been possible with, with the pandemic and everything that's been going on. So live poker is coming back. I'm going to probably come to Vegas um, in the fall for the, the world series that they've, they've now moved from the summer, which would be cool. Right. Um, and, you know, when there's tournaments here in, in Canada and maybe in and around the U S I'll, I'll definitely be popping in and, and playing from time to time. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. We're going to Vegas actually on Sunday Rotowire does for the all-star break. We go there every year and usually they're down to like, I'd say like the final three tables usually when we, by the time we usually get oh, there, nice. we're always there for the all-star break. It's kind of our thing. And so I, I used to go over the Rio every once in a while and awesome, check that yeah. out and all it's that. It's an exciting, but, uh, it's really the, the energy in there is really, it's amazing. Palpable. It's, it's so awesome. I mean, it's just like, whew, these guys are playing for a lot of money. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I've never played a series event. I want to do that someday, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll play it like commerce or at the bike usually. And, you know, Jerry Yang used to play there after he won the world series and he, he'd oh, come down nice. to, he wouldn't play like the, the super high roller tables either. Uh, he'd come down to, you know, like the $400 buy-in table or something like that. Maybe the 500 to 1500. And, you know, there'd be a line of people wanting to play against him and, you know, for various reasons, both because of his notoriety and also because they saw how he played. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it was kind of wild to see that. So I wonder like you, if you would maybe get more people wanting to take your shot at you or more people trying to uh, avoid you. Uh, yeah. I think I, I think in general, like I have a pretty, one of the things that I think I, I have a pretty strong, uh, table presence. I find that yeah. I, uh, you know, maybe it kind of becomes a bit of a game for me and I'm, I'm able to have a certain, you know, I'm also a pretty big guy. And, and, and when you have that sort of reputation, I mean, I've always told people that, you know, people think that I'm way better than I really am, but I, but I use that to my advantage. You know, there is a very psychological part of that. So, sure. so that's something, you know, if they know who I am and, you know, I, more times often than not, they, they buy into the hype and that makes the, you know, that really meshes well with my quite aggressive style where I can just sort of run, run them over a bit more. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Now you, you mentioned though, you're doing a lot of commentating for poker stars now. Yeah. Yeah. For a while now, it's great. How, how'd you get into that? Um, so I actually, uh, I actually have a sports broadcasting degree. I went to, to school, the college of sports media, it, sort of with the hopes of one day being working in sports. This was right before I got heavily into poker. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just been, I was able to use that sort of, I had an opportunity to do some commentary work for something called the global poker league, which filmed outside out of Malta. Um, mm -hmm. and then sort of a couple of opportunities here and there with the WPT commentating a final table and with, with poker stars. And eventually, um, you know, I was doing enough work for them that I sort of started becoming a regular part of their commentary team. So they have, especially during the, you know, the pandemic, I mean, I've, I've traveled to Prague and the Bahamas to do commentary work for, for them for some of their tournaments. But during um, these, this last year and a half, they've had a much more, um, a much bigger sort of digital uh, program sure, with, of course. With, with broadcasting. So the World Cup of Online Poker, the Spring Cup of Online Poker, the um, you know Summer Series, uh, all these different ones over the course of the last year and a half. And it's it's been great. It's really fun. You know, it's, it's, on, um, it's on Twitch and I, I think YouTube as well. And it's, it's, it's great. We're just, we're, we're covering all the big, big events that are happening during those times. Oftentimes, almost every time, actually players playing for six figures plus. So it's, it's really great. It's really fun. Do you find it uh, more difficult to commentate on an online event versus a live event or what, 
how, tell us, tell me more about the differences. Um, yeah, sure. I would say that it's, um, not more difficult, but it's definitely more engaging online simply because you're on camera the whole time, the way they have it. Sure. So like you can see, we have the two things here, the table would be right above us. Maybe we'd be, we'd be a bit smaller. So you're constantly sort of, you're constantly sort of on and, uh, and it's, and it's, it's quite long days when you're doing it live, you know, the camera is almost always just on the table and then you're sort of talking over it and, uh, and then doing a sort of like a wrap up in between where you're talking about what just happened at the desk. So definitely the, the online is, is more of a, an in intensive thing, but it's, it's nice. It's engaging. It's, it's, it's fun to do. I really, really, uh, I, I really like my co-hosts a lot. They're, they're, they're good personal friends of mine and they, they're, they're, they're great coworkers. And I think that's, it's just, it's just fun to look forward to, to working with them. One, one of them is a comedian, Joe Stapleton, who's hilarious. He's actually opened right. for Norm McDonald a couple of times. He's just a, a riot. So bouncing off him, it's just like you're with your buddies and you're having a good time and talking about poker. So it's fun. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, and you, you alluded also that you uh, were big into esports, and I know that's, you know, we do cover that a little bit here. I know like uh, it was Counter-Strike was what you were really into the most. Yeah. Yeah. So I was it's sort of at the, ever since the beginning of Counter-Strike, um, I don't even know how 25 years ago, probably it was now or something like that. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I got really hooked on Counter-Strike. It was the biggest first person shooter of the, you know, the sort of original esports boom before it was even a thing people you know maybe people were competing in street fighter or something but it wasn't really becoming a thing and then um you know suddenly we were going to korea and you know brazil and all, all these different places to compete in, in these different tournaments and it was it was a rush i mean i was just i was just a kid but it was you know the highest level it was like feeling like an olympic athlete they're actually you know, I, well, I can't say that. I don't know what it's like to be an Olympic athlete, but we actually had an Olympics of gaming uh, in Singapore where I represented Canada. And I have the, that's amazing. You know, the track jacket, the Canada track jacket. And we finished third in the Olympics. You know, it's just it was just uh, it was just it was just awesome. It was such a fun experience. Yeah. That's but we're making money like we they are now. That's that's the funny thing is I was maybe a bit maybe 20 years too early uh, making right. a living from it. Yeah. It's amazing. That's that, that that's been such a thing for 20 years uh, and it, that. Really remarkable as far as that goes. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think it's just great. You get to see the world many times over, it sounds like. What's uh, your favorite location that you've traveled to? Favorite location that I've traveled to? Um, I really love Vienna. Uh, it's just the architecture and stuff. It's just so, so, uh, so stunning, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've, I love Tokyo. I actually didn't go there for, I went there for a vacation actually twice in the last nice. uh, about four years. Uh, once just sort of a couple's trip. And then the couple that we went with loved it so much that they decided to have their wedding there. So uh, Japan was, was, was pretty That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, where else? I mean, yeah, that's those two, I think stand out to me. Prague, I did Prague. Prague, Prague, I did. Prague and, yeah, Prague in, in at Christmas time is when they would always have it. So it's, there's something very oh, like European Christmas about just the 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 big trees and everything. It's amazing. Nice. We did uh, Prague, Vienna, and Budapest for our honeymoon. And, oh, so you know uh, what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Vienna is like this classical old, you know, yeah, old money, old architecture, beautiful, yeah. really refined, you know, but but crisp. Yeah. yeah, it's just great. Yeah, Prague. It, 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 you know, it was at one point in time it was like such a bargain to go there compared to almost every other other european country uh and yeah. i think it's kind of caught up a little bit but you know i love how prague has been untouched by war you know you know when they had yeah. change of power things didn't get destroyed whereas budapest is the exact opposite budapest castle has been probably destroyed like five or six times wow 
But uh, yeah, I, I really love that trip. I, I, I want to go back now that maybe experience it in a little bit of a different way because we're trying to definitely do it on a little bit of a shoestring. So right. I'd like to go see it again with a little bit more means. So do it. it's awesome. Um, so what's next for you? Are you going to be uh, throwing yourself more and more into fantasy baseball? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's 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 funny, you know, I'm just kind of. I'm almost just free rolling in my head with this, this, this run in the, uh, it's still early days. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's halfway through. It's exciting. You know, I liken it to sort of, you know, being an amateur with the chip lead in the main event on day four yeah. or something like that, you know, like I don't, anything can really happen. It's been a great deal of, of, of luck and I guess good decision-making, you know, I will say that um, the moment's not lost on me. Like I said, I know it is still only halfway there, but I, you know, I, I do have a lot of experience playing for big sums of money. Like I am, I'm, I'm really going to make sure that I, I make the best decisions uh, as possible and to give me a chance to win. I'm not going to be complacent on it. And, 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 you know, my intention would be if I can somehow, you know, going forward, find a, a, a place for myself in, in the, in the fantasy baseball community. I mean, it's, I feel very comfortable talking about baseball. I love it so much. So yeah, that's definitely something that I would, I would look, look, look into. I think I would listen. Uh, so I, I hope that happens. Uh, tell me more about your Jays. What do they need to do down the stretch? Are they going to make any big moves? Yeah. I mean, thank goodness. They've actually got some, a little bit of, of help on the relief pitcher. end. I mean, right. they got, they got Simber who I wasn't sure what to expect, but I, I don't know if you watched this guy pitch. He's like sandpaper. It's, it's working out pretty well so far. Um, yeah, it's, they, they need, they need another arm. They need another reliever. I really like the way that we've kind of, fuddled into this re really great pitching staff. I mean, you know, Ryu's obviously been been struggling a bit lately, but Manoa's looked pretty legit. Robbie Ray is, you know, you might even say having the best season of his career. Um, right. You know, stripling stopped tipping his pitches apparently. And now he's just like, what has he had? Like a two, five ERA probably in the last God knows how many starts. Um, Matt's I'm not a huge, huge fan of, but we, it seems like we have a staff that at least can compete, which is not something that we thought that was, we thought that was going to be a really big problem. You know, Manoa was just this little blip of a dream we had with 10 strikeouts right. in those five innings or whatever in, in spring training. And so it's exciting. The pitching staff is exciting. I think that I, I've obviously, I think we'd be great if we got another left-handed bat. Maybe I'm, I'm getting a bit too greedy asking for another bat for, for our lineup. But, um, right. you know, if we could get someone like Joey Gallo, that would be pretty nice. I mean, might be available. Shoot you might for be... the stars. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, so I, I think they're, I think the, that the management wants to go for it and they finally, you know, started to get some of those relief pitchers that we need. And I think there's, there's a chance if we get, if we get a left-handed bat, it would be really nice. I heard rumblings actually, no, I don't know if you heard this Jeff about, uh, I mean, my buddy just messaged me. There was rumblings about maybe Nelson Cruz might be uh, on the move to either, you know, I think, I think they said the Jays, the Atlantics, uh, athletics, pardon me. That was just a rumor that my friend told me about. So I don't know, maybe we're, Maybe we're really trying to get another big bat. I don't see the fit for Cruz just because they're so right-handed yeah. to begin with. Yeah, yeah, maybe sending back uh, like Lourdes Guriel or something. But um, I don't know. It's it's uh, we'll see. It's it's a really fun team to watch, though. I mean, it's hard to even to miss a game. It's 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 so exciting. And you know, I obviously lament the fact that I didn't get any shares of Bo or Vlad, but uh, but it's it's still awesome to watch. Yeah, it is. And you know, they've gotten so little out of Springer so far, and they're still where they are at. They're at and. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it's just too. Also, too bad they can't play in Toronto at all. And it looks like, yeah. from what I saw today on Twitter, looks like that's not happening anytime soon either. I didn't. I didn't hear more news about it. I heard that we were hoping, sort of, by the end of the month for, mm -hmm. or not. I heard something about like an August first uh, 
sort of seven game home stand was a hope to get to that they probably wouldn't. And what did you hear? What were the well, it, like? it was the funny thing is it was a take that wasn't directly addressing the Jays. Uh, I think uh, someone was asked about tourists, the unvaccinated tourists coming over. Uh, and he's like, no, that's not happening anytime right. soon. And obviously there's a lot of ballplayers that aren't vaccinated. So I, I think that's hey. what, that was the inference drawn from that. Oh, wow. I didn't even consider that that's the biggest uh, roadblock. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And oh, so I mean, I don't it's, even know if it could happen this season then with that. Unless there's some sort of hyper quarantine. I mean, they were able to pull it off for the uh, Stanley cup finals, obviously. So, and for the uh, Western conference finals. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, the, for sports, they'll have that exemption that they didn't grant earlier. Maybe that'll be what they can go the route they'll go with there. Uh, but we'll see. But uh, it would be nice for uh, Toronto fans to actually see them in person because uh, yeah, nice. they're such a, a fun team. Amazing memories from uh, from the Rogers Center. Did they change the name again? It's the, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I, I, sky, it's the Sky Dome to me, okay? it's, it's Right, right, right. No, I, I'm with you on that. I, I <laughs> like, fully yeah. endorse that uh, It is tact. the Sky Dome, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't even know what to call San Francisco's there. park now. I mean, it, it changed like three or four times, and that's a shame because it's a beautiful park too. Yeah. But, well, have hey. You ever gone, have you ever gone to a game like just by yourself to, to watch a sort of a fantasy player that you really like or, or a fantasy team? So I used to live four blocks from Wrigley. So uh, mm-hmm. when I was in law school and a couple of years thereafter, I, I, I'd i go and walk to a game. If I couldn't find anyone, I'd still go. And sometimes it'd be for fantasy. Sometimes it's just, I love being at a ball game. You know, so I, 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 I did that. Yeah, I did that for the first time, like uh, I think two years ago when Meadows was, was broke out with that 30, what was it, 36 homer season. Yeah. It started off really hot and I just went to the game and I like, I couldn't find anyone to go. So I just went and I got a ticket right behind home plate and he hit, two home runs that game including oh, man. the 500 deck it's just like oh man it was meant it was to be just... you were supposed to be there <laughs> yeah 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 and then i went at the end of the game he was doing an interview and i went to the the top of the dugout and i was like i was like austin i came here just to see you and he goes yeah. <laughs> 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 that's amazing so i miss doing stuff like that you know just just going to watch baseball it just it's it can't can't happen for me here in in, in montreal right now that's for sure Oh, that's where. So you're in Montreal. I didn't know that. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. I thought you were in Toronto. Well, uh, I'm from Toronto, yeah, but I've, I've okay. lived here the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually going to my first game of the year, going to the Dodger game on Saturday night with the family. Oh, that's so, great. yeah, that's looking perfect. forward to that. Who's pitching? Hey, I, what's that? <laughs> Who's pitching? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I know they're facing Arizona. Uh, I, I didn't obviously I didn't do it for the matchup. I just went because yeah. the kids wanted Dodger dogs and all that, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually can you know. Going to, yeah, it's funny. Family going to a game versus like going either by myself or they're like Vlad and my buddy Scott mm-hmm. Jen's dad. It's a little bit different, but doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, doesn't matter who's pitching, but it is Bueller. So, oh, uh, beautiful. Yeah, against Caleb Smith. So, you know, once nice. bad, not bad at all. Bad. Looking forward to it. Hey, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do for the second half here. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. Great. You bet. Uh, so check out uh, Kiss by Rosarino. You're checking the online standings and uh, Root Griffin on. Um, coming up tomorrow, we got two star starters with Todd and Clay. I want to thank WinBet Sports for sponsoring us. If you're allowed to bet in your locality, please use WinBet. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.